Hey, everybody, it's your girl, Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama by way of little old Glassboro, New Jersey. You know it right here on BlackSidRadio.com. What up? What up? What up? How y'all doing? Um, I am doing well. Glad to be back. I mean, we're going to be coming up on our 50th episode soon. Yes, honey. I want y'all to give me some ideas on what you think the topic should be for our 50th episode. And who do you think maybe I should have for a guest? Oh my goodness. We have some exciting things coming up for you soon. Me and another DJ on the, um, on Blackshed Radio, Devin Austin, um, who was also one of the founders of Blackshed Radio. We are going to be bringing to you a Costa Rica versus Panama series. We're going to do one interview with Costa Rican and Panamanian attorneys. Um, so we kind of like versus as far as the legal aspect. And then we are doing a round table um, that is going to include different demographics of Black expats living in Costa Rica and living in Panama. And we're just going to compare like why they chose Costa Rica or why they chose Panama. And a lot of times people consider both of those places, you know, and for me, I'm going to go to Costa Rica like one of these days, but I ain't going to lie, y'all. Costa Rica scared the hell out of me. Costa Rica just looks like one massive rainforest to me. It just looks like, oh, my God, it's just so much green. It's just it's just so much stuff. We were going to go to Costa Rica because it was going to be cute. You know, we have this little vacation club and, you know, it was a place that, you know, was on our list and we're going to go look. I kept looking at that place and looking at that place and you could see like the little, the little space under the doors and it just really wasn't secure. And then it was like so much vegetation around it. And I knew I could not get comfortable. I knew I wouldn't get comfortable because I knew it was going to be all kinds of critter factors going, um, going on in there. And I just, it's just not what makes me happy. That's all. So even though I've gotten a lot better, y'all, with my gecko situation, let me tell you, honey, girlfriend is growing up, putting on a big girl panties with them geckos. Oh, yes, I'm getting there because ain't no geckos going to keep me from Panama. I say ain't nothing can keep me from it. Um, love me some Panama. And um, so I want to thank everybody for all your feedback last week where we had the amazing Leroy Adams um, on the show. And I know y'all remember we had to cut off early because me and Leroy, we was going in, baby. And sometimes, you know, the interviews are just so good. And it's like, it's hard to schedule because people have, you know, really busy calendars and things like that. And I'm like, you know what, let's just do it. Let's just do it. If we got to break it up, if we got to present it in two parts, I'd rather do that than not share the um, the information. So for the radio, we have to break it up and it'll go out in other um, mediums as well. And so it'll, it can go out as the whole enchilada, but we had to break it up. So um, but before we get to the second part of uh, the Leroy Adams, 
the Buddy Pass magazine and podcast um, owner. I just wanted to welcome our newest platinum member, Ocean Breeze Med Spa at the JW Marriott in Punta Pacifica in Panama City. Um, just wanted to, to welcome them. They are a Black-owned um, spa that you have got to visit if you come to Panama. When I tell you, there's a video, if you follow our YouTube channel, I did a video about my experience there. Alfredo and I went, oh my goodness, it is just so live. And I'm going to do like a girl's day there. So, you know, y'all y'all stay posted so that you can join me for that. But I just wanted to welcome them um, for being new platinum members on our Beep community platform. That's blackexpatspanama.com. Thank you so much. You will be seeing them um, in uh, promotions and things like that. If you are a business who wants to um, get down with us like that and have your business promoted to Black Expats in Panama and our friends, you know, highlight your girl. Visit us at blackexpatspanama.com to see which option would work best for you. Now, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get back to this conversation with Leroy Adams. So let me get it all together. You know how I do. So just hang with me for a moment. And then the next voice you hear will be Minds and Leroy Adams' Buddy Pass magazine. Hang tight, y'all. Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama, by way of Glassboro, New Jersey, right here on Blackset Radio. Hey everybody, it's your girl Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama, and I'm coming to you today to make sure that you know about our new Black Expats in Panama community platform. That's right, our Beep community platform, or BCP, that can be found at blackexpatsinpanama.net. Just click on that link that says join the community. There you will find businesses, groups, as members, you'll be um, privy to events. You can have, you can sell things with the classified um, section. You'll get exclusive information offering and interviews. You get discounts on Black Expats in Panama, meetups and tours and ITA global um, events as well and so much more. So go over there, check out the membership, see which one is right for you, and let us know if you have any questions. Thank you. But let me just ask you this, and then I want to talk about Buddy, the Buddy Pass. So when was your first two things? When was your first travel? Um, and what was, how did that experience impress you? And then I also want you to tell us from like the international expat thing, what are you seeing there? And would you ever mm. consider becoming an expat? Then we'll go into Buddy Pass. How's that? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. So my first travel experience uh, was actually in, to Taiwan. It was a, a study abroad um, opportunity that I had when I was in a junior in college. I went to the University of Houston downtown. And one day I'm walking through the hallway 
and I see this poster for a trip to Taiwan that's attached to a creative writing course. And at the time in my life, um, it was it was kind of a rather depressing time in my life. My brother had passed away almost a year and a half before. Um, I was playing. I had was cut from my college basketball team, you know, six months before. Um, so I was really just trying to find my way again, you know. And um, I, I had always had this desire to just see the world beyond my community and beyond my own experiences. And so, you know, I'm walking through a hallway one day in my school and there's this poster. And so I signed up for the course. And, uh, you know, at the end of the semester, I go to my professor to make my last payment, which was $1,000. I hand him a check for $1,000. Miss Charlotte, he looks at me in a very gentle way and says, awesome, you just have one more payment of $1,000 left. Somewhere along the way, I miscalculated, right? Oh. So I walked out of his office and I cried. Oh. I wanted to go on this trip so bad. And mm -hmm. so I picked up the phone and I called my mom, who, by the way, was petrified of me leaving the country. We could talk right, about right, right. the Black community, Black, you? right? How old were you, boy? 22? 21, 22, maybe? Okay, okay. You know? Um, but we could talk about, you know, the fear that Black parents and Black community has about traveling, how that's preventing a lot of us from, right? Um, so I call my mom, you know, in, in true Black mom fashion. Mm -hmm. She puts aside her own biases and she's like, okay, we're going to raise the money. We're going to call your aunts, grandma, uncles, whoever. Um, and I said, no. I said, mom, I'll, I'll raise the money. You know, so I got a third job. I was already working too. I picked up another job. Um, ate off the McDonald's dollar menu for like weeks and saved the money. <laughs> but they had an apple pie on there too. Yeah, right? apple pie in there. Yeah, they had apple pie, you know. Uh, some Powerade, no soda. Um, and I saved up that thousand and I, I paid, made that final payment. And I, I went on that trip to Taiwan. And that that experience right there, not even getting to Taiwan yet, but that experience and almost being denied that opportunity is the reason why we have study abroad scholarships uh, for the magazine. Wow. I think I told you last time, with every subscription, with every sponsorship dollar, advertising dollar, proceeds go towards a study abroad scholarship for Black students. Wow. Right now, today, 5% of Black students study abroad compared to 76% of white students. And the reason for that is financial barriers, representation, and community uh, challenges. These programs are incredibly expensive. Most black students are already going to school on student loans. They cannot afford to take out an additional loan for a three, $4,000 study abroad trip. Um, they don't see people like themselves in these study abroad programs or traveling. So they, they ch choose not to do it. And the third piece, the community. When they bring these conversations to their community or to their families, because their families have never traveled and because we, you know, you know, at least back in the day, if you will, it's things have changed significantly now. But um, because many members of our community have not traveled, they have a fear or misunderstanding of the world, and therefore they don't encourage it or promote it or encourage their kids and what have you to go out and do these things. So those three issues alone are what's affecting more Black students from studying abroad. And so where we're coming in is we will create, we've created a, a scholarship for you all. And so when businesses do come on, not only are you getting a chance to partner with a viable Black enterprise, but you can actually do some community and social good by helping yeah. us fund these scholarships for Black students. And let's be real with it. 
from a PR public relations standpoint, what does it look like for you as a business holding up a scholarship that you've given to a student at Howard? It looks great for you. So you're welcome. We're creating that opportunity for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I eventually, you know, um, I got to Taiwan and man, <laughs> I was just writing about like, what would the chapter of uh, my novel, my travel novel book, um, the chapter that's about Taiwan, what would it be titled in my travel novel, travel memoir? And I, I think I'm going to call it Rocking uh, uh, rocking My Jays in Taiwan. Because when I went to Taiwan, I was young. You know, I, I have never left the country before. That was my first time getting my passport. The only pair of shoes I brought with me were my Jordan 12s, red and black. <laughs> 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 and I'm just traveling throughout this country, you know, having people look at me with such awe because they had never seen a black person before. Yeah. Having people like, I'm, I'm getting screams of like Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant. And I'm looking around like, where's Kobe? Where's Kobe? <laughs> Kobe the whole time they're talking about me. whole time they're talking about me. You know, um, the nightlife in, tai- in, in Taiwan, Taipei, Taiwan was so vibrant. The night markets were so massive and vibrant. And again, I did not understand how globalized Black culture was mm-hmm. and how how much money the rest of the world was making, particularly the Western world, off of Black culture. Yes. Like these people were so, Taiwanese people at the time were so fascinated by me, my yes. hair, my skin color. And it, it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't, it, it was almost admiration and curiosity, mm-hmm. you know, not, not anything aggressive or egregious or mm-hmm. inappropriate. Or intentionally or rude. Or intentionally it rude. It was just like curiosity and, and admiration like ah like who are you like i want to get to know you i want to ask you questions all of these things and that has been consistent throughout my travels and so taiwan really set the stage for me after i stayed i was in taiwan for about two weeks went you know went to several places around the country several cities tai taipei tainan kaohsiung um had a chance to really you know eat all different types of food just really throw myself into it and and you were by yourself I was, was with, I was with my university. I was, okay. There were other students. There were other students. Were there how many other black students was there? One other one. Okay. There were only two of us. It was a class of like 20 something, 25 students. And there were only two of us. And wow. again, right. That there's that 76% to 5%. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was very clear that we were, were, were just sort of perceived and treated differently and embraced differently than the other students. And that's what I realized. Or enthusiastically. Enthusiastically, absolutely. Yes. yes. Even even more so. That was my first time really where I was aware that other religions and faiths existed in a very real sense. Because here Mm. I am on a ferry headed to, um, you know, Kaohsiung. And there's this Taiwanese girl about my age on, on the ship on the boat and I walk up to her and I said, Hey, um, it's curious. Like, why do you all believe in a Buddha? And she looks at me and she says, well, why do you all believe in Jesus? Mm-hmm. And no one, and no one had ever really asked me that in that way before. Yes. Right. And in, in a way that they were coming from a different, you know, religious and faith viewpoint and not 
attacking my faith, right. right? But just curious about it in a way that made me like question, okay, well, why am I? Let's why, explore why this relationship through a personal lens, you know? And so Taiwan was was the beginning of just my relationship, my long-term relationship with travel in the beginning of me eventually coming to start a Black travel magazine because I've realized, you know, we talk about this, the cultural benefits, the academic benefits, the growth benefits, the financial benefits, all of the benefits that come along with traveling and being connected to the greater world that too many Black people are being are not pursuing or being kept out of. And it's like, no, yo, there are people like you out here in the world starting the businesses in Panama, starting tour groups in Panama, right? Yes. There are people yes. like us all over doing dope yes. things and you can do it too. That's that right there is that, that right there. Okay. I just got to stop and unpack a little bit of that because, you know, I wrote down when you were talking, I wrote down fear, 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 mm-hmm. fear. Has yeah. Come up yeah. Many yeah. Times. And yeah. I know even for me, I had been a few places, but when my daughter told me for her 30th birthday, she wanted to go to Thailand and, Dubai mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Rome. I mean, she wanted to travel the world when she <laughs> turned 30. And I so didn't want her to go. Mm. She was by herself and I just didn't want her to go. But I knew that it would be selfish of me mm-hmm. to really, just like your mom, your mom put her fears aside and said, okay, my yeah. baby's trying to go. <laughs> yeah. And um, <laughs> my daughter, we have a similar, um, a similar story about how my daughter went to South Africa. You know, and oh. when she was in college, she went to South Africa, and that's how I raised that money. This was before GoFundMe, but I was like, my baby going. She wanted to yep. go, and we had to raise like $5,000 or whatever. But I just think that when you when you write your book and you want to call it Rocking Your Jays, mm-hmm. when I... When I when you started talking about that experience, your whole face changed. Your <laughs> entire face changed. I mean, I'm telling you, all your eyes, like you know, Thailand lit up my eyes. I mean, the the light in my eyes, you know, Thailand was the light because you could see that. You yeah. could you could see that, and it's just something that you had to experience for yourself. Had experience for myself. Yeah, you had experience for yourself. And yeah. the thing is, too, is that. When people coming over, like you talk about, 5% of us going on these study abroad things, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. opposed to 76% mm-hmm. of, 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 of white people or non-blacks. And it's because of the, you know, sort of just our, our so many other things. It's like it's mm-hmm. finances. It's, mm-hmm. you know, fear because nobody mm-hmm. understands or has mm-hmm. traveled before mm-hmm. in your family. Like I mm-hmm. always say, my first, you know, the first people that I knew that, Traveled internationally, went to Vietnam. Yeah, that yeah. was it. That yeah. was it. I didn't know anyone else in my entire world who had traveled um, out of the country except for those that had gone to Vietnam. Nobody mm. left the country just to explore, you know. Mm. And so you have we have so many of these obstacles. And mm-hmm. then even when people come on the tours here. You know, so there are other tours that have been going on for a long time. And, you know, you know, you have non-Blacks that come to Panama and just buy up everything. They come, yeah. they come on a tour and like, we like that. We're going to get that. Yes, sign us up for that. There's no mm-hmm. hesitation. There's mm-hmm. no hesitation because it's not foreign to them. 
-hmm. It is not mm -hmm. foreign to them for people in your family, people that you know, to own property mm -hmm. in a foreign land. So not only is that foreign to us, travel is mm -hmm. foreign to us. And so mm -hmm. there are so many fears. So when people tell me about what my group is supposed to be um, doing, I say, pump your brakes. We got <laughs> this. Okay? Because at the end of the day... I know my people. We're here. Yeah. We are here. If I can get them to take the tour, so yeah. what if they don't want to buy nothing today? They you took got them here. They opened their mind. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're going to think about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad that you that you said all of that, and I'm glad that you shared that story. Let me ask you one more thing about Tylee. So, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Tylee. Um, so when you left, you were going through some things. You had some mm -hmm. sadness in your life and some yes, hurt and everything. I feel like your the the tenacity that mm -hmm. it took for you to have to make that trip that was probably empowering for you, um, you know, because you were able to achieve that. You were able to get up all the money and everything. But how do you feel that that travel experience impacted you emotionally? Like you know, oh after yeah, uh, I I think this this story or scenes that sort of sums it up. Um, you know, as I mentioned, when I, when I signed up for that, uh, study abroad course and I went to Taiwan, my brother had died a year ago. My stepfather who raised us and was married to my mom for 17 years had died two years prior. Mm. Um, and then six and months. You're 20, you 22 at this point. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Major, major. Yeah. And then, you know, several years after their deaths, um, I was cut from my college basketball team. And so I essentially, you know, that took away my scholarship. So I had to figure out life. I ended up moving to Houston where I went to school, University of Houston downtown. And I slept on my best friend's um, floor on a mattress for several months, couch, mattress, couch, mattress, and saved my money, got my job back at Chili's, saved my money, bought my own apartment, put myself back in school. And, you know, fast forward, I'm going to Taiwan. Um, and so that... I often tell people now that I'm older and I can reflect on these experiences. I realized Taiwan allowed me to experience Leroy outside of America and mm -hmm. outside of everything that was going on back home. Mm. For, a, for, a, for two weeks, I was able to put down all of the weight that I was carrying back mm. home and just allow myself to, to be right. To be in this place, this new place, just experience it unapologetically and I remember we're um, in uh, an area called the Tarauco Gorge. And um, we stopped by this pebble beach. It's a beach filled with pebble stones all over. The wave this is the Pacific Ocean. The waves are just massive, energetic, like they're alive. It's so beautiful. The entire like beach area where we where we were, where the it was a small restaurant next to the beach where, where we ate at. And you know, from the restaurant to the beach to the town, everything was enveloped in these mountains that were kissing the clouds. Mm. And, and I remember, you know, wandering along the beach and I eventually found a massive boulder that was like, you know, the size of two, three people in, 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 uh, in, uh, in height. And I climbed on top of it and I sat on top of the boulder and I just watched the Pacific Ocean. And it was just so alive, so beautiful, so active. And I remember telling myself, 
that this was a new start for me. Like everything was going to be okay. There was life outside of the darkness. Yeah. You know, like I was going to be okay. My life, like things were not done for me. This was my opportunity to really start a new begin. Begin. Start a new beginning. beginning. Because I had the chance to step out, step away from all of the sadness and the hurt and the pain and the my, you know, gotta get my school grades in, gotta get, gotta, you know, hit the clock on these jobs, like all of that stuff. I was able to move move away from all of that and really perhaps process the losses that I that I had experienced uh-huh. over those years yeah. and really look at myself and say, you know what, man, like it's gonna be okay. It's like I made it here. It's gonna be okay. Gonna, I'm wow. gonna be okay. So it completely shifted my understanding of, you know, myself at the time, my understanding of how much control we do give the dark moments in our lives, mm-hmm. especially when we don't have any escape from those moments. Right. My escape was Taiwan. I was able to go there and then come back with a whole new perspective. And so in that moment and that experience in general really taught me just how much control I have over my own happiness, Mm -hmm. you know, my own direction in life and that I can exist outside of the U.S. Come on. I can find happiness and joy outside of the U.S. in a way that's healing and affirming to what I want and who I want to be in life. And so I've sort of carried that with me, you know, over the years. Um, and obviously Taiwan led to so many other different experiences and things, but it was that that trip really just put life for a 22-year-old who, who you know, knew as much as a 22-year-old should or does know about life. Right. But right. it put, you know, it put life in perspective for me at that moment um, and allowed me to come back anew, fresh, and um, you know, full of possibilities. Do you know what you, do you know who you sound like speaking that? You sound like the typical Black expat. Yeah, yeah, The typical yeah. Black expat, that person yeah. that just decides, right. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And when you come into another country or you, you, you touch down in Panama, I traveled during 2020, 2021, Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I flew back and forth 18 times from mm-hmm. Panama to the United States, Panama to the United States. And it just got to the point where as the time would start getting closer for me to go back to the U S I would just start feeling angst. I would just, start <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. when I, when I would touch down in DC, by the time I got off the plane, my whole countenance was different. Um, mm-hmm. the energy of the mm-hmm. country was different. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I have found peace in Panama. Yep. Yep. And you don't even know that you're missing it until you experience it. You know, the first time I experienced peace, I was a young person. Uh, mm. I was the fir- first time I experienced peace was the first time when I left New Jersey and I went yep. to Mississippi. And the, the since then, Panama represents that for me. And so I hope that your story is encouraging. So now let me ask you this and then tell me about the buddy pass because we got, this was so good, but I mean, my goodness, (laughs) all over the place. Somebody was like, girl, I love your show. I just never know where your conversations are going to go. I just like being organic. I like, I like us being together. I like us doing the, like, and I like, you know, it's one of the reasons I like doing the tour. We just have Mm -hmm. energy. 
And you know what I mean? We have energy, yeah. commonalities, and not that we don't accept or embrace other people, but there's something very special about it. And I love to embrace it anytime I can. Okay. Yeah. So you've traveled. Give me a couple of the names of the countries that you've been to. And have you ever thought about being an expat anywhere? Have you ever so, thought about putting down roots? I have. So I, I was an expat before. So I lived in um, Ethiopia for a couple of years with the Peace Corps. That was okay. my first time being essentially an expat. Um, and then I also lived in China for two years. And China, in many ways, like Taiwan, was like game changing for me, life changing. Because if Taiwan was where I saw that Leroy could exist outside of the U.S., China was where I saw that Black communities were existing outside of the U.S. Because I thought I was going to be one of the few Black people when I moved to China. Mm. And this was back in twenty. 16 it was a huge black community in beijing wow huge and so because and now because and this is what we you know i think you and i talked about like the, the emergence of global black you probably could put black american communities in there if you want to but i think the emergence of global black communities di diasporic communities around the world has been so encouraging and inspiring to a lot of black folk who are wanting to travel now because you see that there's a black in Panama group. There's a black in Bali group. There's a black in Portugal group, right? There's a black in London group. There's a black in Bali group, black in Korea group. Mm -hmm. So I would absolutely, I am absolutely going to become an expat again. Um, I often hover between Bali, uh -huh. Mexico city and Portugal. Um, I've been to Mexico city had a chance to interview some black expats out there. Loved it. Uh -huh. But I, I've always wanted to go to Bali. <laughs> but then there's so many black people moving to Portugal these days. And I'm like, what's up? What's going on out in Portugal? So Like in the top five now. Yeah, it's, it's wild. I'm like, what's going on over there? I got to go check that out. I got to go check it out. I got to go see what's, what's on what's yeah. the hype. <laughs> what y'all talking about? You know? I wouldn't so, thought of Portugal. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I, I didn't... I don't know what it is, what, you know, what's going on, but there is a lot of black folk moving to Portugal. So, you know, that's, that's on the list, but you know, I've been, um, after, um, after Taiwan, like I said, I lived in Ethiopia for two years, mm -hmm. uh, visited India for a month, um, lived in China for two years, spent about a month in South Africa. Um, Went to Thailand twice. Love Thailand. <laughs> love Thailand. Yeah, my daughter. Uh -uh. My daughter did too. Oh, uh, love Thailand. Uh, was actually arrested in Thailand. That was that's so, a story. You were arrested. arrested. That's a story in itself. We, we probably have to come back and do another show on that story. That is, that was an experience. That was probably scary. It was. Story. Can you give me the story in two minutes? Come on, two minutes. In two minutes. Yes. Okay. Um. So it was it was a second. It was my second time in Thailand, and I was in Phuket, and I was hanging out with some friends. You know, we all were in China, but we flew to Thailand to you know, vacation and stuff. And um, I'm on my motorbike, and I'm driving back to my hotel to pick up a friend of mine. And there's a police checkpoint. You know, I'm fine. I'm I'm sober. So I said, whatever. I guess they're just looking for drunk people. I'm not drunk, so whatever. Um. So I drive. You know, through the checkpoint, they pull me over. And uh, they breathalyze me. And in Thailand, 50 and above is illegal. Like if you you know go through a, do a DUI, do a breathalyzer, what have you, 50 yes. and above is illegal. So they did me, came back 52. I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm, and then they ushered me. They's like, they told me to go 
to this outhouse that was on the side of the road. And so I sat down in this outhouse and there are like a few other foreigners sitting down. And there's a window in the outhouse where police officers are also breathalyzing uh, foreigners. It's, it's, it's almost like a drive through. It was all foreigners? <laughs> it's, like, it's all foreigners. All foreigners. Okay. All, all, actually, all foreigners and locals. There, there were foreigners and locals, but the majority of the people were foreigners. And so I'm at this, I'm in this house, this outhouse, and I'm watching them breathalyze like seven Russians. Miss Charlotte, I told you 50 and above is illegal. They got me at 52. The Russians, uh-huh. 97, 106, 108. <laughs> and so I point at the Russians and I point at me. I said, look at them and look at me. Who's like, who's inebriate? Who's drunk here? Yes. And so they made me do the breathalyzer test again. This time, the police officer took out a kit from under the desk, literally banged it on a table to get it to start working. Breathalyzed me. It came back at, um, I think it was like 56. And I was like, bro, I'm not, I'm fine. Like, do it again. He's like, if you do it again and it comes back 50 and above, they're taking you to jail. I'm like, if you're going to use that one, then it's a lose-lose situation for me. So eventually, um, they put me and these seven Russians in the back of a Beatles-sized police car. And them Russians must have been drunk. They were drunk, <laughs> Miss Charlotte. They were drunk. So they drove us to the station. Um, and Were they speaking English? They were speaking English. They were per- speaking English very well. They drove us to the station and the entire time I'm texting my homies. I'm like, yo, man, I think I'm I'm being sent to jail. Like, come to the station. Come help me out. And so we get there and they start processing us. They did our fingerprints. They took our photographs and everything. Um, get our passport numbers or what have you. And I'm still like texting family back home. I'm like, oh, damn, I'm I'm about to get locked up abroad, blah, 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 blah. And so they finished processing us and they took us downstairs and we get downstairs on the right hand side is the front door, basically a door to the front door that we came in. So if we go out that door, I'm thinking, OK, they're probably going to let us go. And on the left hand side is a door that we haven't been through yet. Of course, they took us through that left hand left hand door. And that was the sale. Miss Charlotte, we walked through that door and I saw them sales. I'm like, oh, shit. This is real. <laughs> <laughs> it got real, real. I'm like, it got real, real. And right when I saw the sales, my homie walked in. And I was like, bro, take my bag, take my passport, take everything. I do not trust these people. So he took all my belongings with me. The uh, cops made us all take off our shoes. And they put me, the seven Russians, in the jail cell. And there was already uh, a local dude in the cell. Miss Charlotte, the cell was maybe the size of a, a small bedroom, a child's bedroom. Maybe. There were no beds. There were no benches. Nothing to sit on. Just a bucket that was blocked off by another wall. And that was it. Um the only way that we were going to eat is if our friends and families brought us food. And so I had my home and bring me some um, long story short. Obviously, I eventually got out. Um, but I was in there for like hey. three nights, three nights. In the um, yeah, man. But even after I got out, Miss Charlotte. So they we eventually got taken to the courthouse, paid our fine, which is another fucking thing to begin with. And um, after we paid the fine, we're thinking, OK, we're good to go. The cop, the cop that arrested, uh, uh, took us in, took our passports and would not give them back unless we gave him a bribe, unless we paid a bribe. And the bribe was like a cut, like two, three hundred dollars, maybe like eight thousand baht or something oh, like that. Wow. Baht is th- th- Thailand currency. And the Russians paid it. No problem. No problem. I'm like, nah, 
F this. I didn't already pay the, I didn't spend these amount of days in jail. I didn't pay this, blah, blah, blah. I called the U.S. Embassy, forgetting that I don't have diplomatic immunity. And I said, hey, they're trying to bribe me, blah, blah. And literally, the U.S. Embassy was like, just pay it, bro. It's Thailand. <laughs> just pay it. It's Thailand. So, yo, I'm like going back and forth with this cop. I'm like, so I eventually, I, I sat on the front stairs of that station for hours. I refused. To, I was so fucking pissed. I was like, yes. bro, I've already. So eventually I'm like, all right, bet. He wants about 8,000 baht. I'm not going to give him that. I walked into his office. I'm like, bro, I got like 2,000 baht. I think it was like 50 bucks or something like that. And I said, you already made like 30,000 baht. What? What's that? 30,000 baht? Like a couple, like two, three grand or something like that from the Russians. You've already made that from the Russians. I'll give you this 2,000. You give me my passport. Nobody got to know about it. So he walks out, comes back in his office with a yellow envelope, slides me the yellow envelope, and my passport is under it. And he said, just put the money under the envelope. I slide it back. It was almost like a drug deal. Oh, my gosh. And I got my passport, and I uh, I spent a couple, another night in Phuket because I was like, wanted to make up for the time loss. Um, oh it's been a night of Phuket, and then I flew to Bangkok the very next day. That, but that is a scary situation. That it is was the, interesting, and, and, yo. And, and when, and like, I got and photos. Like, I got to share the photos with you. The, please do. In the U.S., you're you're not you're not you're not at home anymore. You know, mm-hmm. and when people come here, and you know, same thing. You know, might happen to you with a with a cop mm-hmm. here, and you like in the U.S. You know, give me your badge number, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Well, it's mm-hmm. different in different places. Wow. That was a good story. Okay, so now tell us about Buddy Pass so I, so we can get out of here. Yeah, so the Buddy Pass is a magazine, travel magazine that I specifically started for Black people, uh, particularly Black millennials. Um, over the years, I've been traveling the world um, with my travel podcast, also named the Buddy Pass. And then doing black travelers and expats in places like India, Vietnam, Colombia, South Africa, Thailand, really collecting these stories and sharing them with people to inspire more of us to get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were such really good reviews about the podcast that I decided to try to make a travel guide for black travelers. Well, as I was doing my research and, and, and studying the travel industry, I realized that one of the biggest problems that the travel industry has is that it does not talk to the black traveler. The travel community, the mm-hmm. travel industry struggles with that. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, today, Miss Charlotte, I'll tell you um, that 70% of Black travelers, well, first of all, I'll tell you, in 2019, Black people spent $190 billion yeah. on travel and with vacations. Would it be? Would it be? Would it be, right? Um, and annually, Black millennials spend about 50 billion dollars on travel like we spend on these experiences that we spend on travel the black family is a very very powerful economic traveler the travel community the travel industry is struggling to market and engage black travelers so Mm -hmm. i said well i'll just create a travel magazine i'll create a travel magazine that has the inspiring content of Black people that are traveling and experiencing the world in the way that we do. I'll have a travel magazine that speaks specifically to the scenarios and the problems and the issues that we as Black travelers face. I'll have a travel magazine that features the the, the fashion style 
and swag of Black travelers when we go and take our photos in a Greece or in a Bali or, or Panama. Um, we'll offer the tips and advice on how to travel cheaply, affordably as a family, as a solo traveler, as a female traveler, what have you. All of these things that you normally see in a travel magazine, we have that in the buddy pass from the Black traveler's perspective. You will see people like you out here in the world when you open this magazine and it will inspire you to get your passport if you don't have it and if you do have it to travel and if you already do travel to continue to do so and yeah. to continue to do it in a way that honors your blackness mm -hmm. and your identity um and so we i put together the first issue earlier this year just as a passion project and i shared it with a few folk and i was actually really surprised at the response people were this is inspiring. This is really cool. This is this is great. And, you know, folks was like, dude, where are the advertisement? Why why is nobody paying you to be in this magazine? This is really cool. And so I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll try to, you know, I'll keep going with this thing. And, you know, luckily we were able to bring on a few writers who were like, you know, I just want to work on this because I don't have the money right now to pay everybody. As you know, we just got our first investor on Friday. Um, and so, you know, I was very honest with people. I said, listen, I don't ask anybody, particularly black people, to work for me for to to work on things with me for free. Mm -hmm. If you know that if you choose to come on board, you, you will be compensated for your efforts. And everyone, every single one of us like, listen, we know you, we trust in you. But at the end of the day, this is a really cool thing yeah. and it deserves to exist. And so wow. we're gonna rock with you. And the money will come when the money comes and we'll handle that when it handles it. But let's at least let's get this out in the world first. Let's wow. show people, let's show our community how we travel, you know, and the things that we do when we go and travel and the things that we want to see and the things that we want to do. And let's spend our money with black businesses, not only in the U.S., but abroad. When we go to Cape Town, when we go to London, when we go to Bali, when we go to Mexico City, there are opportunities to spend the black dollar with black owned businesses and institutions. Yes. And we're going to help you learn who they are, where they are, mm. so that you can go and connect and support with them. You know, in our next, in our pre, when our premier issue, there'll be a, a whole um, editorial around black businesses in Cape Town. Um, so, yeah. you know, uh, really excited about it. Um, I've, I've been, I have this belief that it can be the next essence. And the reason I feel so strongly about that is because like Essence, it was addressing a need at the time. Mm -hmm. It yeah. was addressing a very viable market that was at the time Black women. Well, Black travelers are a very viable market. Um, mm -hmm. The data is there. The data shows it there. Um, it's also a still, it's a very young market. The travel, Black travel movement is not going yeah. anywhere. And it's these global not. communities are going to continue to pop up. And exactly. so- you know, for me, I, I truly see this as being the next essence, the next iconic Black publication for our mm -hmm. community. So as long as, you know, we stick to our values, we listen to our readers, um, yeah. you know, the content and the design remains high quality and consistent, consistently uh, of high quality. And I think we'll get there. You know, it took essence a long time. Mm -hmm. It took essence almost 10 years, I think it was. I had a read it, it took yeah, essence about four years, four or five years before they made a profit. Wow. Before they made a profit. Despite the fact they were getting pressure to sell and to just get out. They mm -hmm. he, you know, Ever Lewis wanted to like, no, let's stick with it. Let's allow this. And again, this is another issue that most black businesses face. A lot of times people are only willing to give us a year mm -hmm. to prove. 
if it'll work like yes. a year. Yes. In the travel and in the tra- in the magazine industry, most publications don't even make it past five years, let alone make a profit. So Edward Lewis, one of the founders, is like, man, listen, people keep telling us to sell. I'm saying, allow this thing to mm-hmm. actually do what it can do in order for it, us to see that we have to give it time. It, we have to it, be patient. Let it mature. Let it mature and then show us what it can really, really do. And so that is the patience that I'm taking you know, in with this to know it's not going to be an overnight success. It may not, you know, two, three years, we we may still be struggling to make a profit, but at the end of the day, at least we'll be able to give scholarships to black students mm-hmm. and we can continue to put out good uh, quality content. And 10 years from now, we'll see ourselves, you know, being mentioned amongst the elites, like an essence and an ebony. I truly believe that. Wow. Yes. And I need to, um, I have to go. My show, my show is so long, but you know, something, you you touch on something very important. We get tired of looking at, like you talk about the travel industry. We get tired mm-hmm. of looking at the travel industry mm-hmm. and, and, not seeing ourselves. and not seeing ourselves, but just seeing ourselves wait on people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The white people are there enjoying, yeah. you know, the yeah. vacation and the black yeah. people are there with a serving tray. Yeah. You know, we, you, you're not allowing us to see ourselves on yeah. vacation. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, no, absolutely. Listen, um, tell us how to find you. And um, thank you so much for being no. on the show. And, you know, we'll be looking for the publication. Absolutely. Um, this was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I appreciate it. So, you know, you and I, I, I we'll, we'll chat again before we release the premiere issue. I want to make sure okay. that your followers um, get a special discount okay. for that okay. premiere issue you know, uh, for the black and Panama community, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as we update that release date, I will be the first to let you know. But in the meantime, people can follow us on Instagram at the buddy pass magazine. Okay. Again, that's the buddy pass magazine, um, on a Facebook at the buddy pass. And then our website is www.thebuddypass.co, not com. Okay. Co. Okay. Um, yeah. And just feel free to reach out to me. If you if you have a story that you want to share in the magazine, let me know. I'm happy to put it in there. We're happy to spotlight Black in Panama and show everything that you all are doing okay. and how you're engaging the global Black community as well. So if you have a travel story idea or anything you want to share in the travel magazine for your people, just hit me up. Let me know. Absolutely. And you know you know, I do because I deal, I deal with a <laughs> lot of expats and, you know, yes, it's ma'am. just very, very interesting. And it's it's very, like you said, it's not going nowhere. This yeah. movement is not going nowhere. Yeah, but no, thank absolutely. you, my friend, for being on the show. You, and I will talk to you again soon. Yes, ma'am. Have a good one. Thank you. And there you have it. That was Leroy Adams chilling with your girl. My goodness. He is just such an amazing storyteller. And that story about him getting arrested in Thailand, oh my God, I know his mom was so nervous. I would be nervous. I, I just, you know, I'm scared to death to get um, arrested in an international space, especially if they're not speaking English. That's some scary mess. That is definitely some scary mess. Um, and so I just want to thank him for um, taking time out with us. I want to wish Leroy, all the best, my brother. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. I'll be excited to see um, 
the the newest publication of the Buddy Pass magazine, and we're going to hold you to it. He said it, y'all. You heard it right here. He said that the Black expats in Panama members would be able to get a discount on this first magazine, and um, I think it's going to be wonderful. So when that drops and he lets me know, I'll be sure to let you guys know. I really appreciate him being like transparent with us and, um, you know, saying that when he, when he, you know, started on this traveling journey, he was just in a very low place of like a little dark place. And, you know, it seems like to me that his tenacity to go after that um, study abroad um, was just what he needed to, to motivate himself to get himself out. And then when he got there to another country and found just the kind of peace that, you know, you just, you live for. If you've ever had peace in your life, you, you know, you live every day trying to get that peace back. I ain't even gonna lie to you. It's better than money. It's uh, more, more valuable than gold. It really is. And, you know, and it kind of made me think that if you are a person who, you know, you might just be going through something, it might just be a dark time, you know, in your life, we all go through stuff at different times, you know, consider taking a trip, consider taking a trip, taking a trip, traveling, it helps to, um, you know, just getting away from your everyday um, problems, you know, seeing the, the different scenery, being treated well, oh my goodness, spa treatments, just things that, just doing something for you. It's like, um, it's self-care. It is self-care. Travel in so many ways is self-care. And if you listen to his story, you can tell, you know, how it, it really helped him to work through the place that he was in. So I was really, really happy um, about that, you know, he went and just on that one trip, he had like uh, a spiritual awakening, um, uh, a religious acknowledgement about, you know, different things that that people believe and that people can believe different things and it's okay. Um, one of the things, and then for him to have traveled all those places and, you know, he says he, he thinks Bali is it for him and he wants to check out Portugal. I think it's always good to know what people, especially well-traveled people, think about possible expat choices. So I always like to know that. Lastly, I want to leave with you the very important statistics that he mentioned about our kids in, in the study abroad programs. And um, I mean, 5% versus 76% of other students, you know, if you can support his magazine, support his work, and just consider supporting other organizations too that might be able to help our students be able to experience the gift of travel. Um, what a blessing that would be, you know, um, as, as, as far as that goes to, if you have a student in your life who you would like to travel one day and would like to be able to be considered for uh, a scholarship opportunity, hey, look, Get them a passport. Forget the Nikes. Forget forget all that other stuff. Get the loved ones in your life passport. Christmas is coming up. Say birthday, whatever. Get them 
a passport. It is the gift that keeps on giving. It is the ticket that allows you to see the world. So um, definitely you want to do that. And check out the episode of um, uh, MJ. MJ and Marco, if you, if you follow him, they are in um, Bali. They were in Bali and you know, Marco was feeling homesick and, you know, Marco is um, MJ's nephew son. And, you know, MJ was just talking to him about the opportunity and the privilege that it was for him as a young black male to be able to experience international travel and just encouraging him to give it a chance. Check out the, um, check out the video uh, on MJ's channel if you get a chance. And let me know what you think about the conversation that he had with Marco. I thought it was wise and uh, and very straightforward, like MJ um, tends to be. I really thought it was great. Not everybody agreed with MJ, but I did. And I know that at the end of the day, you know, MJ has nothing but love for his nephew's sons. And, um, you know, he just wants the best for them. So I think it's awesome for our kids to be able to travel. And I think it's awesome for our kids to, to know that when you decide to do something, you need to at least try to stick stick with it. Find out what it is, that lesson that you were, were going to learn. Um, just look at what Leroy learned on his first trip. So with that said, I'm gonna get on out of here. And um, it was good hollering at y'all. Hope you enjoyed uh, my conversation with Leroy. Follow him everywhere at the Buddy Pass uh, magazine. I will uh, be posting his information as well. Follow us everywhere at Black Expats in Panama. Um, keep up with us. And as always, shout out to my main man, Dow Spears, Elite Conversation um, Podcast Media. And I just want to thank him for producing this radio um, show for me. And until the next time, you know what? I love you. I love you. I love you. And there was just absolutely nothing you can do about it. This is Charlotte Van Horn, Black Expats in Panama by way of Glassboro, New Jersey, right here on BlackCityRadio.com. Oh, yes. And I'm leaving you today. I'm so sorry. I forgot. I'm leaving you with Computer Love by um, Zach. That was one of um, that was one of Leroy's other um, selections for a song from the 70s or 80s. And so Enjoy, y'all. Chat you later. <laughs>